Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. Katie Warren, thanks for tuning into this podcast today. Today's scripture will likely be familiar to you. Uh, It includes, among other things, that famous line that we often call the golden rule that gives us some guidance on how we care for one another. Uh, But it occurs to me that sometimes we read scripture with the intention of figuring out how it applies to our lives. So we hear Jesus tell a parable, and we want to try to decipher how he might be speaking about my own words or actions. We sort of wonder wonder to ourselves, how do these verses shape my own faith and how I live that out in the world? But other times, if we're honest, we read some parts of scripture and we feel a kind of an inclination to just sort of skip over it. The Old Testament book of Leviticus, for example, is mostly just a whole long list of rules that feel really outdated. And it could be easy to kind of quietly assume well, it probably doesn't really apply to me so much, so I'll move on to something else. 
So today's scripture, it might be one that tends to fall more in that second category. It talks about loving our enemies. And the moment we hear that word enemies, we might be tempted to tune out or skip ahead a little bit, assuming we don't really have any enemies. So instead, our task today might be to try to answer that question, who really is my enemy? And once I know who my enemy is, what's next? So with that in mind, hear now these words from Luke's gospel, chapter 6, spoken to and for you. Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. So here is a reflection on Jesus' words about enemies and just what that might mean for our own lives of faith. Let's take a listen. Love your enemies, Jesus says. It's uh, one of those parts of scripture I think that we're, most of us are well acquainted with or have probably heard before. We know it's in the Bible, but maybe a little bit similar to the commandments like you shall not murder or you shall not steal. We don't really pay as much attention to them because we're not so sure it really applies to us. We're not involved with those sorts of things as much. The word enemies has such a strong connotation, I think. I don't know about you, but when I hear that word, it makes me think of superhero movies where the hero has to kind of take on the villain. They have to fend them off over and over again, right? Think of Batman versus the Joker, or Superman versus Lex Luthor, or every Disney movie that creates this kind of clear distinction between the good, the lovable character, and this evil one that they're kind of pitted against. Even old cartoons have this kind of dichotomy. We think of Tom versus Jerry, or Roadrunner versus Wile E. Coyote. They were enemies pitted against each other over and over and over again. If you turn on the news today, you will surely hear something about Russia and Ukraine on the brink of war. Or maybe the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that involves decades, if not centuries, of violence between them. Those, those are clearly defined real-world instances of enemies. So when we hear these instructions, 
from Jesus to love our enemies, bless those who curse you, pray for those who harm you, we might be tempted to hear those words and think something like, well, I'm not sure if I really have any enemies. I'm not at war with someone. No one has struck me on the cheek today or stolen my coat from me. There's no evil person that I'm constantly in conflict that consumes all of my energy like the movies. And yet, rather than immediately think of people who have done terrible, awful, atrocious things, we might, we might put them in their own category, think about those people another day, I wonder if Jesus maybe had a different definition of enemy in mind for us. Maybe, think about it, maybe it's someone who just irritates you, who gets under your skin. That neighbor or coworker gets on your nerves, the family member who thinks or lives very differently from you. Those people who we kind of, in a way, allow to steal our time or our joy or our heart because we are busy being annoyed <laughs> or angry or resentful of them. In some ways, it can be really easy to ignore this command to love our enemies when we don't really think we have many. It's a lot easier to love enemies in the abstract. It's a lot harder to love those people that we're in contact with day to day who maybe we don't care for or we don't agree with. Even those people who kind of mildly hurt our feelings or are a bit rude at times or were just otherwise would rather not be around them for any number of reasons, those might be considered our enemies. I was driving on my way to church just yesterday and there was this guy who was driving so closely behind me, I swear to you, I could tell you what color his eyes were, which is just like my biggest pet peeve. I can't stand it. And for whatever reason, we kind of kept finding each other as we're both driving along Locust Street. And as time, as we kept going and going, I was getting more and more aggravated and irritated as he's swerving in and out of traffic and aggravatingly close behind me. I could feel myself getting more and more angry until by the time I finally pulled into the parking lot and got out of my car, I realized that I had spent nearly the entire time from my house to here being frustrated and annoyed with someone I didn't even know. I'd wasted that 13 minutes or so. I had this passage about enemies in my mind since I knew we'd be reading it today, and it struck me that this person who I didn't even know, could be as much of an enemy for me as anyone. And my ability to love them in that moment could be as simple as hoping they don't get in an accident when they, wherever they're going to or how they get home. Wishing them the best, care, safekeeping, and letting it go, right? The more I have thought about it this week in particular, I'm not so sure Jesus meant that to love our enemies means that we need to gaze lovingly into the eyes of people who have hurt us or just annoyed us, to see others as perfect individuals. I don't even think God tells us we have to forgive others at all costs, no matter what they've done to us. That faith mandates that we conjure up these warm, fuzzy feelings for people that have done terrible things. 
I'm not even sure that God says I can't be a little bit irritated or angry at the Toyota Camry that's driving behind me. I think that's okay. But I do think that God asks us to figure out some way to love those enemies and even pray for them, care for them, not because it makes you a better Christian, maybe not even because it matters about that other person at all, but because it makes you free, freed up to do the things that God asks of us to care for others, to love one another. Dietrich Bonhoeffer called anger this kind of quiet bitterness. And the longer we have this tight grip on things like anger and hurt and resentment, it just festers and gnaws and reduces our ability to function in a healthy way. It has little to no effect, usually, on the object of our anger, that other person, but it can do so much more harm than good to ourselves. Jesus asks us to love our enemies, to do good, and he says, your reward will be great. We might assume he's talking about some kind of heavenly reward, a gold star from God for being such great faithful Christians, but I am actually convinced that that reward for loving our enemies has more to do with what we get to become in the process. That when we are willing to set down our anger, to let go of our resentment that we've been holding on to so tightly, we can put away any of those frustrations and hurts that can consume us, and we're suddenly freed up, open, to have plenty of room in our lives for things like grace and compassion and even love. An author named Anne Lamott, who's written a lot about faith, once wrote that holding on to our anger, this unwillingness to forgive or just let go, it's like if we drink rat poison and then wait for the rat to die. All it does is really harm ourselves. We stew and we stew until it hurts us more than anything else. Anger sort of chains the whole of our lives to more resentment and more anger and becomes a kind of domino effect. There's no room for anything else. But love has this way of freeing us up, frees us to care about things that really matter and to live with different kinds of priorities, with Christ truly at the center of our lives. At our house, over the last couple of weeks, we've been watching a lot of the Winter Olympics and uh, honestly, half the time, we don't even care what sport is on. We just love hearing about the backstories of these different athletes and um, the competition and the sportsmanship. And one such act of sportsmanship came up during the women's snowboarding, snowboarding event uh, last week. Maybe you saw it. It involved a 20-year-old woman named Zoe Sadowski from New Zealand. And she was finishing her final run, her final competition, where she happened to have this incredible performance, just near flawless, absolutely perfect. And as she finished, two of her competitors immediately ran up to her. They tackled her, put their arms around her, celebrated and congratulated with her on this amazing job that she had just done. Those two women were Julia Marino from the United States and Tess Cody of Australia. They were set to win gold and silver until this uh, New Zealand snowboarder 
had her performance. So what we all witnessed in that moment at the end of this event was two competitors who had essentially lost, at least lost their first and second place uh, finish, congratulating the person who beat them, celebrating her success, excited for her accomplishment as, as much as their own. And when the American, Juliet Marino, was asked after the medal ceremony about that moment, she said, you know, Zoe is an inspiration to me. She pushes me to be a better athlete. I could not be happier for her. Talk about choosing to love someone who could so easily be defined as an enemy, right? Marino could have chosen anger at not receiving a gold medal or resentment toward the, the one who replaced her, bitterness with herself or her own performance that she didn't do just a little bit better. All that could have eaten away at her or dampened the celebration. Certainly, we've seen that in other uh, sports during the Olympics. But instead, she chose in that moment love, joy, compassion, which lifted everyone up, all of the competitors. There are all sorts of ways that we might define who our enemy is, and the reality is we probably have a lot more enemies than we might like to admit if we change the definition just a little bit. It could be any person or thing that we allow to steal joy, goodness from our lives, anything that prevents us from putting more love and more compassion and more goodness or understanding into the world. And we can choose to let our hearts, our whole lives, be filled with anger and resentment, or we can choose compassion and love, but there's rarely room for both. I honestly don't even think God cares if we like our enemies. We're just asked to love them, to hope for good for one another, to look for the best and even the worst person you know. And when we follow Christ's example of that, to live with love at the center as our priority, I think we'll hardly have room or time for anything else.
We'll turn now to God in prayer, speaking those words Jesus taught us through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Whether you are driving in the car, whether you're at home or work or wherever you find yourself in the coming days, may you also find the strength to set down anger or resentment, to pick up love and compassion. And may God surround you with peace today and always. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.